I'm Brett Coleman, and you're listening to the Sounds of the Loom podcast. Good morning, afternoon, or evening, depending on when this finds you. Welcome to the Sound of the Loons podcast. I'm your host, Steve McPherson, and with me, naturally, is Cal Williams. Uh, lightning round. Do you like jazz? I do like jazz, yeah. Do you have a favorite jazz artist, nope. or is it just a general kind just of... Just generic jazz. Generically, you enjoy jazz. Yes, okay. Correct. Have you seen any live jazz in the Twin Cities? Not in the Twin Cities, no. Okay. I have down in Kansas City. Okay. Oh, I'm sure there's some good jazz down in Kansas City. Um... Something can vine the street where it originated, okay. apparently. Yes. I can't remember what, what the street name is, but I, I, there is a jazz quarter down there. Right. And uh, Mrs. and I went down there one evening for a, a live gig, and it was good fun. Okay. Uh, go-to karaoke song for you? Uh, have I got to have one? or One. Like, if, 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 you're at a, if you're at an event and you have to do karaoke and it's one song, like, you're not going in for the evening. It's just like, okay, here's the one. The one you know you can nail. Well, I can't nail any of them. Okay. Because my singing sounds like a cat scratching a chalkboard. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I would say, um, and this, it, you know, a real element of irony, but but by no means um, am I saying this just because. It, it, it is wonderful because... Um, it's beloved. I mean, even yeah. aside from Minnesota United fans, I yeah. think it's, it's a pretty good go-to. It's um, it's one uh, one I've, I've always, always enjoyed singing. Um, but I actually, um, so th- there is obviously the original version. I- if the the DJ, do we call karaoke people DJs? Sure. Call them, yeah? okay. Hosts? Maybe? Them. Yeah, them. okay. Okay, <laughs> yes. If they have the uh, acoustic version by Noel Gallagher, that's okay. the one I like to sing. Like the solo? Yes. Yes. That, that's you, the one I like to sing. Do you like the Ryan Adams version? Have you heard that one? I don't think I've That's it. quite good. Really? I'll, I'll send it along to you. Okay. Um, okay. Uh, what breakfast would you be? Not what do you like, but what, what, what breakfast, breakfast would, would you I be? be? Yes. What does that even mean? <laughs> I don't know, man. I was trying to come up with some questions, and these are the fast questions they came up with. And I thought um, it would be funnier than what breakfast do you want to eat right now? But what would you be if it what would, would if you I were be? Breakfast? I would be a streak of English bacon because it's full of fat, and that's what I am right now. Amen. <laughs> we'll go with that, yeah. Okay. I'm, I think I'm pretty much eggs Benedict. Just, <laughs> Why? Well, just fat on top of fat right now. <laughs> so... <laughs> I'm trying to change, man. Hey, let's let's do it together. That's all right. We'll be good. That, that right. should be our, our off-season promise or our our new season. Okay. Um, resolution. Yes, there is a there is a gym in the Minnesota United offices. Maybe we should do a podcast from the treadmills in the That's future. That's a good idea. We'll just be out of breath. Yeah. <laughs> if people want to hear us frantically panting, mm-hmm. then by all means tune into that particular podcast. Yeah. Okay. Uh, let's move uh, out of the lightning round now. Uh, let's talk <laughs> about some soccer. Uh, the Super Draft happened. Mm. Um, that was a thing. And uh, with the seventh pick, Minnesota United took Dane St. Clair. I hopped on the phone with him. We did a loon dive um, earlier last week. So you can go. I talked to him for about seven, eight minutes, something like that. Uh, seems like a great young guy. Uh, what's your What's your first impression of Dane St. Clair? So I, I'd spoken to one or two people in Maryland about him. Um, you say Maryland? Maryland. Mar- Maryland. Maryland, yeah. Okay. I thought you said Maryland. You might have. 
I like having shields of the peanut gallery over here. He's got he's got some contributions. <laughs> he has no mic, but I thought it was in Maryland. Okay, okay. I might have just said it slightly slower. Mary Maryland. Yeah. Maryland sounds better, actually. Yeah, I don't know. It's weird. <laughs> All right. I spoke to the coaches of his university yeah, that he sure. attended. Okay, right. Yes, yes, sir. <laughs> or some of them, anyway. Um, and they said he's a confident young fellow. Yeah. Uh, and has every right to be because he was one of, if not the best goalkeeper in the NCAA last season. So it's obviously one for the future as Adrian insinuated, as the goalkeeper coach John Pascarella insinuated as well. He's young, he's athletic. Uh, from all the clips I've seen for a, a big lad, he gets down quite quick. Um, he likes to play with the ball at feet, which is something yeah. that Adrian likes. Yeah. So, a very modern goalkeeper. Modern-day goalkeeper, yes. Yeah, probably so. the best way to describe him, yeah. yeah. So... I, I'm looking forward to seeing him develop. I really am. I, I you know, I'd be surprised if he got any first team action this season. Right. It wouldn't surprise me if he went down and played with with Madison a couple of times this year. I don't think he'll go and spend all season there, but sure. I think he'll go and play a couple of times. Um, you know, Ford Madison have just signed a, a good goalkeeper for, for for USL League One. They have a very good goalkeeper in, in Brian Sylvester. Mm -hmm. So it wouldn't surprise me if um, St. Clair went on loan just here and there. But I, I think probably it's best now for his first year as a pro for him to stay and be comfortable in Minnesota and work with our goalkeeping coach. Yeah. And I said this with all due respect to, to Ford Madison, but give him the training that, that we want him to have. Sure. So I'm excited. I think he'll be, um, you know, I think he'll be a good player in the future, but let's... Let's not be too hasty. Let's let him develop, and, and I'm looking forward to seeing what he can bring in the future. Yeah, I don't think you really want a humble goalkeeper. Like you want, you want <laughs> goalkeepers, and you know, like I remember I talked to Bobby about this. I think last season. I mean, um, maybe it was two seasons ago now. But uh, just that goalkeepers need to be a little crazy. You know, they They're need nuts, they need to yeah. have a little like like edge. And so you know, I, I think it's great to be a humble guy, but it's like the goalkeepers. It's such a weird position, um, and I. I think that thing about seasoning is very true. Like I remember talking to John Pascarella about this, how, you know, goalkeepers can have such long careers because so much of it is not, I mean, you want an athletic goalkeeper, right? Like they, you need, they need that like snap reaction that you need length, you need speed, you need aggressiveness, you need all that, but you need a lot of smarts. You need a lot of sense of mm -hmm. when to do things. And that's one of those things that it's not really a position where you can make up for mistakes with blistering speed or quickness or, you know, making something out of nothing on a shot. Yep. It's like you're standing there <laughs> and you need to make judgments constantly and be a leader out of the back. And so that's the kind of thing that doesn't happen for a 21 year old. Yeah, and, and it's it's interesting you you say you know they they do have a certain edge about them goalkeepers. Every goalkeeper I've ever met has been completely and utterly crazy. Whether yeah. that's whether that's a soccer goalkeeper or a hockey goaltender. Oh, yeah, the the who, goal the the goalies in hockey are completely. I mean, nuts. who enjoys having a ball or a puck blasted at them as yeah. hard <laughs> as as the other person can? Yeah, that I don't find enjoyment out of that. You and know? the the goalies the thing you know the thing in in hockey that I've always thought was hilarious is how you know at one point they started mandating masks for for goalies. Good. And <laughs> a lot of the old goalies were like. Nah, like they got they got grandfathered in until they retired. They're like, oh, you don't have to wear a mask. It's like because they were like, I I can't see. You know, it's like, dude, 
<laughs> Do not get hit in the face with a puck. Wouldn't even contemplate not wearing a mask. Right. There's a reason why Jason is scary in the Friday the Thirteenth movies because of that goalkeeper mask. Because I mean, it's like yeah. the goalkeeper goalies are, are scary anyway. So. What we what we've always failed to mention with Jason as well is he was actually a hockey goalkeeper without a mask. Right. Now he has to have the mask on because of that. Basically, right. right uh, exactly. He's been hit in the face so many times. It's yeah. unbearable to look at. <laughs> Uh, another interesting fact about uh, Dane St. Clair that I discovered is that he's from essentially the same area as Andrew Wiggins, uh, who plays for the Minnesota mm-hmm. Timberwolves. Uh, joke? Yeah, right around in Toronto. Yeah, I don't know. So um, maybe they'll be buds. Maybe. They're only like two years apart. I don't know if the, you know they had any – ran across each other in sports at all. Um, I actually don't know if Dane played any basketball, but he's tall. He's 6'3". Wouldn't surprise me. You know – which is one thing to ask him when he gets here. Yeah, we'll have to uh, talk to him about that. Let's talk a little bit about uh, Chase Gasper, yep. uh, whom we selected with the 15th pick, which we got from uh, Chicago for 50000 in GAM, I yep. believe. Um, Chase also, I spoke with him on the phone, and uh, it just seems like you know the talk was he's the most MLS-ready yep. defender uh, and that – you know, we want him, you know, he might not be a day one starter, but they're definitely looking at him as somebody like who could get in the lineup. Um, Carter Manley played last year as well. Uh, and Chase just seems like, and he's got a, the, the attitude for that. You know, when I asked him about what uh, what his best qualities were on the field, a lot of guys, when you ask that question, are kind of like, ah, you know, I don't, you know, like when I asked Jan Gregus about that, he was, which is, there's also some encouraging about that. Gregus said, I don't. I don't like to determine that. Like my teammates can tell you how I play. I just go out there and play for the team. That's a great response as well. Um, Chase was like, "I'm the hardest worker. Like I'm always. I pride myself on being the most fit guy on any team I'm on. I always go hard." And the, that's. This is what his coach said. Um, Sasha, what's his name? Savrosky. Yes. Okay. I read it several times, but I never said it. Uh, <laughs> Sasha Savrosky said that as well. That he's just. He's just, and 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 Dane said this about him. Those guys were roommates in college. Uh, that he's just a rock, uh, and he's just one of those guys who's. Uh, it, and it's encouraging to have a guy you could throw in, and you just know he's going to be responsible on the field, even even as a rookie. I think, um, uh, as you said, Steve, the, going into the draft, he was labelled as the, the most MLS ready. So I was quite surprised that he didn't go earlier. Actually, yeah, we know the coaching staff has a list of players. I, I think um, Gasper was was right towards the top, hence why they traded. Uh, and they, as you said, got rid of some some allocation money for him. I think, um, you know, I, I I wonder I wonder how much he's going to play. Um, right. I think with with the plans that the coaching staff have, and, and if they get some of the bodies that they want, and and if um, you know Calvo has a good year, um, and if um, you know uh, whoever it is over on the the other side has a good year, I, I wonder how much he'll play, but he's always going to be in and around the 18, I think. So, yeah. And again, well, it wouldn't surprise me if he, if he popped down to Madison from time oh, to yeah, time, absolutely. you know, just to get some, some professional experience. Yeah. Well, and Cowboy's going to be away on international, international duty. duty. He's, you got to sort of plan for that. So. Yeah, exactly. But, I mean, look, it, it's uh, I, I like it from, again, from all the clips I saw whenever I was watching uh, Sinclair. Gasper popped up as well. They, I think they were quite close friends in yeah, college as well. Yeah, they were roommates, roommates so, so yeah. Uh, that that always helps. So um, that's something you like in a back line, the, you know, defenders. Yeah. So I, I'm I'm encouraged by the draft. I really am. Uh, and obviously, um, Dotson came in later on as well in oh, yeah. in the draft. So he'll, um, to my knowledge, will add a, a boatload of energy in midfield again. I think um, mm-hmm. 
it, it's going to be a real um, trial period for him this preseason. Sure. And uh, again, it wouldn't surprise me if we sign him. And and I say this because we now have because forward Madison. Madison yeah. that, you know, if if they like him, but there's not a place for him on this MLS roster yet. It wouldn't surprise me if he went down to Madison. But stranger things have happened. Maybe he starts. Who knows? We'll, yeah. we'll wait and see. <laughs> yeah. So uh, let, let's touch on the question that I think comes up every every year as this comes around. Should there be a super draft? We, I think we may have we may have glanced against it before. Um, and if if not the super draft, like there's you know there's sort of been this debate about with uh, I mean I think every article you read says you know there's a greater investment in TAM into the league. There's more homegrowns. There's more academy products coming out. Um, the draft still represents a chance to find somebody. Yep. Um, it's it's low risk for sometimes high payoff. But you know I also was reading an article that was saying that the, of the in the last ten years only twenty five percent of the players who were drafted are even still in the league. Um, you know and I, and so I don't mean to say this is a, it's a it's a bad thing to have. But I just wonder, maybe there's something different. Maybe there's a different way to approach this. Other leagues that have drafts have talked about, have there's been debates about, should you just sign players rather than having to go through this thing of, you know, like picking them out of, uh, in, a, in a certain order. Um, do we just have a draft because that's how sports works in America? Is it worth rethinking that process? And if we do rethink it, you know, what might be a better option? Well, I don't have the answer to that question, Steve, but I... I absolutely think there should be a draft. Um, look, it's obvious that the importance of it has dropped over the last couple of years because of the homegrown players. Coming from Europe, academies are the be-all and end-all. Yeah, they there's are. no draft. In there's no GPA, draft. Right, so so <laughs> I'm, a, I'm a big fan of, of nurturing your own talents. My biggest issue I have... Let, let me go negative first, then I'll go positive sure. with the draft. absolutely. My biggest issue I have with the draft is a lot of the times these guys are being drafted and they're turning pro too late, in my opinion. Right. You know, someone turning 22 and, having, and, and being called a rookie, being called a youngster. Across the rest of the world, they're a first-team player. They've played 100 games or whatever, you know, and... I just think at times a lot of these these guys are drafted a little bit too late. I, I know now there's there's guys that are drafted after their freshman year and whatnot, and, and they're you know nineteen twenty right. or whatever. Mason was was eighteen. Exactly, 18, so. but but I still think, it, <laughs> and maybe this is a cultural thing from where I come from. I don't know, but you 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 would see your young players coming through, sign pro at sixteen, right, and be you know treated as a professional since that age and, and be around a professional environment since that age, you know, and it's, it's, it's obviously different here because university is such uh, a countrywide thing and, and it's a thing that you, uh, you know, must do here, I guess. Um, so I, I don't think it's, it's ever really going to change, to be honest. Um, and I get it because it's an American thing. Now on to the, the positive. I think if you were to shun the draft, you then have one less way of young players having an opportunity. Sure. So I, I can see arguments for both. But in my opinion now, I think we should keep the draft, but maybe only have one or two rounds. Yeah, yeah, that um, makes sense. It, and, and I say this with all due respect. We, we were sitting around the table during the third and fourth round of the draft, weren't we, and, and listening to the conference call, and... 
it, it seemed very irrelevant, didn't it? it, it yeah. And, and again, I, I say that with all due respect. Yeah, that know? makes sense. I mean, it makes sense to me that, like, it, across the first two rounds, you might find, you know, you might there might be guys where you want to take a shot. Mm. You know, like, you look at a guy like Hassani Dotson, you're like, he's got something. And this yep. is how everybody, this is how Minnesota United was talking about him. It's like, we see there might be something there. Yep. It, like, do you necessarily want to give him a multi-year contract or, or like, it, with a certain amount of money attached to it? I mean, they're obviously being paid when they're drafted, right? But the thing is, is, like, it's a chance to sort of, this is my pick, here's available, I'll take this guy. Yep. We'll see what happens. If it pays off, fantastic. If it doesn't, then low risk, right? I think with the homegrowns and the academies and TAM, this is where you see the third and the fourth round, really. Like, nobody's picking up anything in there that is really, I mean, it'd be... I mean, not to say that there couldn't be a guy in the third or fourth round who might surprise you. Absolutely, yeah. But, but it's going to be a very low chance. So it, it makes sense to maybe just do the first two rounds. I think the NBA draft also used to be like multi, like six rounds. Really? Now it's two because okay. um, it was just like we're not you're not finding those guys at that point. So, well, I, I, again, I think um, whilst I'll sort of I'll counter up my own argument here. The, there has been talent in the past that has been found in the third and fourth. Sure. Round. I mean, so I can't remember the, the number exactly, but Chris Wondolowski went in the fourth right. round. But you're not. The, but the other thing is, like, you're not going to find that talent because that talent will be in the academies at this point, right? You know right, what I'm correct. saying? Like, well, you would hope not, so anyway. Like, I think the talent identification is going to be more robust at a younger age, such that you're not going to miss a guy like like Wando is not going to go missed. Into those drafts. You would hope not. Yeah. I mean, like again, it could it could happen occasionally, but I just think that I think that what teams are finding is that those guys are in academies, those guys are homegrown, and then as the USL becomes more robust, those guys are going to be in the USL mm-hmm. as opposed, you know, and so you're going to be drawing them from you're drawing on players from your own academy, from the USL, from overseas using TAM uh, things like that. It, it's just it's a smaller piece of the pie. I think two rounds is reasonable. Yeah, and and I think. Um as well, I, I just think obviously that's where you get the, the well, you, you would assume that's where you get the best talent in round one and round two. And yeah, you know, I, I just the, the only thing for me now, Steve, what was I still find it quite bizarre is the combine. Now there right. have been a, a whisper or two about it disappearing, and, and I wouldn't, I wouldn't be against that to be honest, because it does seem like an utter pain in the backside for everybody. And I think I touched on this on the last podcast. I feel sorry for the for the guys playing together because they've not played together before I don't think it's a, a true that's not how soccer works you know it's not well, like it's, it's like not you a need, true <laughs> representation you, of, of yeah. you as a player you, you can't really audition in 90 minutes or 180 if they play two games because I don't think you give a, a proper accurate representation of yourself as a player so mm-hmm. um, you know go into the physicals and whatnot prove you're fit sure but Actually playing a game, game I, kinda, I, yeah. I don't know. I'm not a big fan of that, yeah. to be honest. All right, let's talk about the preseason. The uh, schedule was just released. Uh, Minnesota United is heading to Tucson from January 29th to February 6th. And we'll be playing uh, FC Tucson, mm. who are in USL League 2, Phoenix Rising, who are in the USL Championship, and a team called the Houston Dynamo. I think we played them before. <laughs> um, and then we're going to go to Orlando City. Uh, or I guess we'll go to Orlando. It's not yes. really called Orlando City. Uh, for uh, February 16th through 23rd uh, to face the New England Revolution, NYCFC, uh, who we will open at home against uh, when the season actually begins, and Orlando City. Um, 
what is what is preseason? We're talking about getting rid of the super draft. I don't think anyone wants to get rid of preseason. But what no. are you what do you learn from preseason? Because obviously you have things like unlimited subs. Mm-hmm. Uh, you're going to be you want to be short. You want to be getting your lineup ready so you have a sense of who your starters are. Yeah. Obviously, uh, Adrian's going to have some choices to make about who's going into that that starting eleven. Uh, you know, for week one, uh, do those decisions get made in in the preseason? Is that what we're looking at? Um, I mean, we. Sh- we probably shouldn't really care about who wins any given game, but no, no, um, what, what, what's your preseason? What's your take on preseason? Yeah, sort of similar to what you said. To be honest, Steve, it, it is an opportunity to have a look at players individually and how they fit into whatever system you're playing. Um, whether they fit better in a, in a certain role, uh, whether they fit better against a certain uh, individual alongside them. There's loads and loads of different scenarios that preseason is very, very. Um, beneficial for, for the team for. Um, I, I, I agree with you wholeheartedly, though, results don't matter. Right. You know, if, if you lose, you know, all, all six of your games, I personally don't think it matters because... Didn't we, like, win almost all our games in the first preseason in MLS? I think we did really well in the preseason. It, it, yes, from what I remember. I, mean, then, I remember watching a couple of them in England at whatever time it was in the morning. Portland uh, the, yeah. the Portland... Right. Yeah, it was over up in Portland, wasn't it, the first bit and whatnot, and um, it was like yeah. I was like, oh, it's it's okay, and then the season started. I was like, oh no, <laughs> yeah. So I, I think you, you have to read very little into to what results, uh, yeah. the results are in, in preseason. But um, you know, because like I said, you, you might lose, uh, you know, two 0 to the Revs or NYC or whatever. Um, but what you've gained from from that game, you, you might have gained a new opinion on someone who you thought could play someone but probably can't, or. Mm-hmm. Uh, you might have put somebody in a position that you didn't think they could play, but actually they can. They, they've impressed there. So, um, you know, I, I, the biggest question for me going into preseason, Steve, with the roster that we have right now, we, we are all fairly certain that Angelo Rodriguez is going to be the centre forwards. Right. The biggest question going in, and Quintero is going to play underneath him, the biggest question is who plays either side of Quintero. You're doing this again. This is exactly the next thing I want to talk about. You're like, we've got telekinetic, <laughs> telepathic. Telekinetic, yes. I mean, you're throwing me across. I was going to say, I wish I had telekinetic. Um, <laughs> telepathic connection. Let's go into, I don't have too much to say about the preseason other than just to mention it and say, it's a good chance to see guys for the first time. We're going to get to see yes. Ozzy Alonso. You know, it, we'll, we'll, see, we'll see guys. That question about how the roster is shaping up, I wanted to start with the fact that with Molino and Finley returning, and we have Romario and Miguel, the two Ibarras, mm-hmm. the Ibarra, right. um, that's, you know, <laughs> all four of those guys are good, and that's for two positions. So, yep. I mean, obviously preseason, uh, we're probably going to see some of those battles, but what's what's your feeling on, on, on how that's going to shake out and who's going to be on either side of Darwin? So we have to stress that, that it is as the roster is right now. Right. Um, obviously, we're, we're going to see one or two people that, that we don't know at the moment as well. Like, for example, um, you know, some of the guys that we drafted um, in the, the later, in the third and fourth rounds, um, you know, I think may get an opportunity sure. as well. So I think, um, for, from as I said, as the roster is now, I, I think Romario Ibarra may be used as a centre forward. Yeah, I thought about that as well. Obviously, Abu Dunladi, um, we, we all know it was a sophomore slump last mm-hmm. year, had a couple of injuries, which which um, obviously halted his progress. Um, I think at the end of the day, the coaching staff are going to go with, with the, and it's obvious to say, but they're going to go with the best players there. I wouldn't want to be the, the people making this decision, though, no. because in my opinion, 
you probably go with Finlay and Molino either side of Quintero. But that's been extremely harsh on Miguel Ibarra, who I thought was very good last yeah. season as well. Yeah. So, I, I don't know, Steve. I, I, I think we're, we're going to see a mixture of, of all of them over the, the, the six games, seven games that we play in pre-season. Um, and I, I, I would not like to be the man who makes that decision. Yeah, and in some ways it's, it's, it's not a bad problem to have. No, not because at all. Because you've, you've got both Molino and Finley coming back from injury. So you don't, you know, they should be, based on having talked to them last season, they should be on pace to be fine. But you never know. You never you've know. Got, you know, you've got Romario Obara who came in uh, probably somewhat less than physically fit. Yes. Um, and, had, and, so and, and played well, though, showed sparks, and again showed that scoring ability, which you could see him up top possibly, not just on, on, the, on the left wing. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, and then Miguel just worked his butt off last year to yep. be amazing. And Finley is also a really hard worker. Yeah. So, you know, you got guys who want to do the work, it's not a horrible problem that each of them have good qualities and then things that you're going to you're going to worry about in terms of endurance or in terms of fitness or in terms of certain matchups or things like mm-hmm. that. So it, it's not it's not really too bad of a problem to have multiple options like that. No, we'll, we'll throughout the preseason we'll see a sprinkling of different combinations no doubt. So uh, and not not just with the three behind Rodriguez either I think in the the central midfield as well. I mean, you would expect on paper Alonso and Gregus to be the starters moving into the regular season, but I think um, in the preseason we we may see well, we will see Colin Martin. We will see Rasmus Schuler, you yeah. know. And- Schuler made a really strong case for himself last year. I really, as somebody who, when I think when Rasmus came in uh, the first season, he obviously struggled out, out of the gate. He went away on loan. Um, and we talked a lot about how he came back and, and he was seemed really ready. But he, he led in a lot of categories that you wouldn't necessarily peg him for immediately. I think he was near the top in MLS for interceptions yes, and was. tackles, you know. Um, so he's made a strong case for himself as a very flexible box-to-box midfielder um, who freed from, I mean, you know, Ibsen, Ibsen isn't with the team anymore. I mean, I am one of the hugest Ibsen hmm. lovers on the planet. Like, mm. he's fantastic. He never played a lick of defense that was really worth anything. <laughs> God bless him. Not great when you're playing as deep as he was as well. Right, exactly. So <laughs> Rasmus had to cover a lot yeah. for uh, for Ibsen in terms of that. But he was also a good playmaker. He got forward. Um, I'm interested to see Rasmus alongside a player like Alonzo, at, you know, at points. Because uh, Ozzy is just going to sit back there mm. and, and be that backstop. Um, um, what is that going to do for Rasmus as far as opening up his game? Um, what about Rasmus and Gregus together? Mm-hmm. You know, Rasmus has shown a defensive acumen. Maybe Gregus can get forward a little bit. Maybe yep. you can flip those things. So yep, absolutely, you can. There's fascinating combinations to be seen. Um, and I, you know, I certainly don't think this is. I don't think this means that. I, I think there's a lot of options and, and time there. Colin Martin as well had some had some flashes. So. Yeah, and, and I mean, you know, the. Um uh, it, it doesn't necessarily mean that we'll, we'll go four-two-three-one as well. I, it wouldn't surprise me at all if we saw a four-three-three in preseason as well, just to try it I out. Like, I like four-three-three a lot. I mean, it just oozes attacking nature, doesn't it? Yeah. It's like, all right, we're going to go for this. Well, and that way that that SKC SKC uses it with with the fullbacks running up and Sanchez dropping back to yep. give you sort of a three-five. You know, like you can sort of 
muck about with that. If you've got the, if the personnel knows what they're doing, it, well, yes, that's the it, it can thing. be super, it can be super flexible. So you know, it pushing, can. pushing, pushing those fullbacks up is can be really fun. Um, so let's talk a little bit about the, the the back half of the field. We talked a little bit about that that front half. We've touched on Gregus and Alonso, who are who are additions. You know, we have rumors, which again, they're just rumors about a young goalkeeper, about maybe adding another fullback. Uh, you know, there's there's stuff out there. It seems like the team talked about. The defense needs to get better. Yep. It seems like they put their their money where their mouths are on that because this is what has been focused on is is the defense. How do you how do you feel like the, the defense is shaping up for the roster? I think um, it it's it's fair to say that it it needs upgrading. Um, I think at fullback, and it, in my opinion, I think another centre back to to push. Boxall and Coleman as well is, is not going to be a bad thing either. And um, w- w- I say that with all due respect to Manley and, and Olmsberg, um, who, again, I, I would expect both to go back and forth with forward Madison next season. Um, I, I think the, the back line got a load of abuse last year, that the pitchforks were, were sharpened on many an occasion for them. And I don't necessarily think it was their fault a lot of the time. You and I have had this discussion many a time. Sure. And being pristine members of the holding midfielder appreciation society um that was where the main issue was they weren't getting enough protection so i think now with alonso coming in uh, i think gregus whilst he will be box to box i think at times you'll see him sitting a little deeper as well uh, i think there's there's a rather sturdy wall in front of them now so um they 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 needed some help no doubt about it and now they have it so but but I think it's fair to say Steve the backline needs upgrading and I think it will do um, within the the course of the next couple of weeks yeah I'm looking forward to it uh, let's let's do a little bit of uh, I wanted to touch on Austin FC who there's a big announcement today at 3 p.m. Uh, Central Time uh, which everyone expects is the announcement that they will become the league's 2017 um, I, first I want to start with some disclaimers I am all for soccer teams going wherever they can thrive. Yep. I love Austin. I don't know if you've been to Austin. I haven't, no. It is a great, great, great city. Um, as a musician, uh, which is what I was in a former life, uh, <laughs> and having been to South by Southwest a bunch of times, that's a great event. Austin seems, it's just such a, a cool city, two of my favorite uh, musical artists from two entirely different points in my life, Stevie Ray Vaughan and Spoon, are both from Austin. Uh as a city, it's right up there with the Twin Cities in Portland, or like as like wow. some of my favorite small, uh, artsy uh, cities. High praise. It's it's fantastic. It's a great it's a great spot. There's like a like I'm not a huge. I lived in New York uh, for a time. Really, really big cities. Maybe not a huge fan. I like these sort of second order cities. Portland, Seattle's getting big now. I, I've always liked Seattle as well. Mm-hmm. The Twin Cities, um, places like that. Uh, Philly. Uh, you know, if there's any Philly fans in the room. <laughs> Shields is from Philly, um, or thereabouts. Um, that said, if you're a person who is wants pro soccer in Austin, how do you like? How do you reconcile putting your faith and heart into a new franchise, given what we saw in Columbus yeah. of this ownership group? And and I, I also don't want to posit this as as like a moral thing about anybody involved in this process. Simply just saying, like you saw how bad that went. I don't know. I don't. You know. I don't know all the circumstances of Anthony Precourt's tenure as as owner of the crew. Mm-hmm. Like, it just seems to be one of those things where I'd be like, as an Austin, if I were a soccer fan in Austin, I'd be like, yes, we're getting a team. I also feel a little bit of trepidation. Yeah. About like, what is the future of this franchise when you saw you know this same group 
take an, the, have another franchise and then come so close to just you know screwing over, ripping the house out of the <laughs> Yeah, Columbus. exactly, yeah. exactly. Like I, I don't know how do you how do you reconcile that as a fan? Yeah, it's I think. Um, <laughs> I think moving forward that they are going to be one of the most hated franchises which, in MLS which is from the fans' cause... point of view because it's not. I mean, yeah. not everybody who will be associated with Austin FC um, had anything to do with this, right? Um, so yeah, I don't. I don't know, Steve. I don't know. Look, I, I hope that that it works. Um, I, I've heard nothing but good things about Austin. Um, obviously, they had a USL franchise there mm-hmm. uh, many moons ago, which Adrian Heath coached and uh, Jamie Watson played on. Uh, Jamie has said to me many a times that Austin was the, one of the best places he'd, he'd ever lived and, mm-hmm. and, and really enjoyed his time there, uh, as, as did Adrian. But why didn't, why didn't a USL team work? Right. What, why? You know, so uh, I, I'm slightly sceptical now as to why is Anthony Precourt so sure that MLS is going to work there? Because to my knowledge, there's no other pro teams there, correct? It's just no, it's the University college. of Texas is there. Um, sorry? Massive. Shields is indicating it's massive. Yes, obviously college sports is huge there. Okay. Football is huge in Texas. Right. You know, there's the, it, it, it's there. I, I mean, I think you sort of get into this question of, I remember when I was a little kid, let's throw all the way back to little kid, be asking my dad at one point about like, why, why is there always like a Burger King next to a McDonald's? <laughs> like, wouldn't you think you'd want to spread out where those things are? Um, and my dad, who is an economist, uh, you know, talked about the fact that it's, in some ways you want to separate oh, from your competition, but in other areas you want to go right at them, and that's where people are going to be. Like, mm. this is why a rest stop has a, a conglomeration of, or agglomeration technically, of, of fast food restaurants right there, you know? Um, and so in, in some situations you're like, well, it's nice in Portland because there's just the Blazers yep. and the Timbers essentially and the Thorns, right? So you've got soccer and you've got basketball. That's basically all there is. Um, it's tough in the Twin Cities. There are certainly elements of the fact that we have literally every every major league team plus every every pro sports team plus uh, college plus the Saints. Yep. You know we've got v- stuff, yeah. we've got many elements of, of sports here. You know in Austin there there is no there is no top level uh, pro sports. So is that a gap that you can go into or is it one that exists because there's a reason why it's not there? Like is college sports so dominant that there's just mm-hmm. no point? Um, I don't know. It, I mean, it's going to be interesting. And again, it's tough because, you know, when I was, I feel like whenever I'm thinking, if I'm getting into a sport, I want to follow teams that are from places that I think are cool. I was, I was like a, a Blazers fan. I was a Sonics fan. I like the Pacific Northwest. Mm-hmm. Like when I didn't really have a team that was, you know, my rooting interest team in the NBA as I was getting in, as I was getting into it, I liked those teams because I like those places. Yeah. I like Austin. And so I want to feel like, oh, this is great. Austin has, a, has an MLS team. I also am like, man, they, they did not handle that well at Columbus. No, <laughs> so no, yeah, it's going to be interesting. But a, a couple of things. So number one, you you mentioned obviously that we have uh, a lot of major league sports here. It's a credit to our fan base and the culture around the sport here that they are doing what they're doing, and we have such vibrant supporters. Yeah, oh, absolutely. Because we see other cities where the support isn't as vibrant, and some of them have got less major league sports in as well. So. Yeah. Big thumbs up to the culture that our fan base have created, no doubt. Um, I think um, 
You know, the, the, the one thing which, which I always revert back to when we talk about new teams coming in, and, and I agree that, you know, it, it feels like the state of Texas is now overloaded with MLS teams. I don't think anybody ever thought we'd have three teams in right. the state of Texas. Right. Oh, there's a lot of soccer there, right? I mean, that's There the is, but it, it's not the number one. It, we, know, we know that American football is, is king there. Sure. Um, which is fine. But I thought the same when Atlanta came in. Yeah. You know, I'll yeah. be honest, I was one of the first people who, when, when we all found out that Atlanta were going to go to MLS, or MLS were going to go to Atlanta, rather, I was thinking to myself, why? The, it, it's college football territory. Yeah. Um, the pro sports teams weren't drawing very well at that time. Now, maybe that's another reason why they went there, because the pro sports teams weren't drawing very well. But yeah. um, it, it can work. And what I will say as well, I, I mentioned about USL not particularly working uh, in uh, in Austin. I also think it, it wasn't necessarily the fact that it didn't work in Austin. I think it was because the, um, the project and the... Um, possibilities of what Orlando could offer was probably more attractive. Yeah. And I think the league wanted to go to the south at the time uh, in terms of the southeast. MLS wanted to, so Orlando saw an opportunity. Blah, 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 blah. Also, soccer has come a, a tremendously long way since Austin had a pro soccer yeah, team as well. Yeah. It was like Just five years ago. It was totally different. It's right? a long, so, yeah. long time yeah. ago. So I wonder now with you know, the maturing soccer fan base in this country, if it'll work. And and places like Austin, I wonder if it could be similar to, to Portland, similar to, to Minnesota. I, I wonder at the fan base, if they latch onto it, if they believe in it, I, I think it could be a good thing. But it, unfortunately, at least for the first couple of years of its existence, the franchise is going to be slightly tarnished yeah. because of the way it came about. Yeah. And there's nothing they can do about that. Yeah. I mean, I think Atlanta was incredibly smart. Again, I think they took a lot of things that were uh, could be weaknesses and used them as strengths. You know, I mean, I think the thing you hear most often is that Atlanta is a city of transplants. Like, mm. it's a lot of people who bring who come from other places. And they really made Atlanta United feel like this is where you all come together from someplace else. Like this is now your new team, like whatever other team you have some, someplace else in another sport, like this is your team to have here. Um, they also just spent an ungodly amount of money, you know? So like it's, it's good to be smart. It's even better to be smart and then put a lot of money into it. So always helps, you know? So if, if, I think that solves a lot of problems. <laughs> yeah, and, <laughs> you know. And so, and it doesn't like if you if you if you spend money badly, it doesn't solve problems. But if you have if you have good ideas, I mean, I think, and so that's that's a point in the favor of you know, f for whatever reason, obviously Precourt had soured on dealing with Columbus. Um, at you, whoever side you believe, it certainly wasn't working, and he certainly wasn't spending the money there. Yeah. If he believes in Austin, and he's got the money, and he spends there. And they, and they're smart about it. Then then there there can be success. I mean, Oklahoma City has done a pretty pretty good job overall um, with uh, moving from Seattle. That team was essentially stolen from Seattle, basically. Mm -hmm. yep. um, but you know, like I think there's still some soreness there. 
Um, the I remember seeing recently that the is it the Hurricanes came from Hartford. They were the Whalers, I think, in the NHL, and they've been wearing Whalers throwbacks, which everybody's like, "Oh, Hartford Whalers, this is great!" And people are like, "Man, could you imagine if Oklahoma City wore Sonics throwbacks? Like people would <laughs> riot, you yes. know." And I think even some people in the NHL feel a little badly about that. Mm. Um, so, you know, uh, I don't know. It's gonna be it's gonna be interesting. It'll be a thing to watch. They won't be joining the league for a year at least, right? Mm. So I would assume so. Yeah. Yeah, I would assume so. I mean, they're not coming in this year, so no, but at least a year, if not longer. But look, they've they've yeah, Miami, Miami, possibly good point shields. I I think um, the fact that they've they've had this stadium plan as well, and if you've seen the renderings, it it looks fabulous. Yeah, yeah. um, That that seems to be the thing now in in MLS, as it should be. You should you should have your own stadium plan. Um, You know, uh, we. I think that it's good that the league sort of accepts you can't have it straight away. You play in temporary venues as we did for for a little while, and you know, then you build your own stadium. Um, what I'll say about Columbus, Steve, is that when we were there towards the end of, of last season, it, you know, it wasn't my first time in Columbus. I've been there a handful of times now, and every single time, it, it, it felt quite stale with the crew. It, it felt like the opportunity had had bypassed them already to, to grab a fan base and. Uh, and to be uh, not relevant, relevant's the wrong word because the crew are relevant, but to, to be a major player in that market, it felt like the opportunity had gone. Now I think what we're going to see, hopefully, with a new stadium coming in, mm-hmm. with new owners who seem really into it and, and understand what they have to do, I hope what we see now in Columbus is what happened in Kansas City. And right. the new stadium revamps everything and they become a major player in that market because the crew fans, those loyal ones that have stuck around for all those years, really, really deserve it. Yeah, sometimes you just need a change, yeah. um, and it's hard. That's a sort of a hard thing to. I think anybody who's, I mean, I think anybody who's lived a good amount of time in this world understands that sometimes the situation is like you can measure what's good or bad or working or mm-hmm. not working, but at some point it's just like. You know, the, the, the way the pre-court's ownership of the crew ended was was messy, but it's ultimately good that it happened because it gives Columbus a new lease. You know, I think we see anybody who follows Minnesota sports has seen that with the Timberwolves in terms of, you know, whether you think Tom Thibodeau was a good coach or a bad coach or could have sure. done better or could have done better in the future or whatever, it would just reached a point where something had to break. And it did, and now they have, you know, Brian Saunders, Flip Saunders' son in there. Mm-hmm. Is he the coach forever? No, not necessarily. But he's brought a level of just, like, fun to the team in the that's the immediate payoff does it sustain is this what how you do you stick with him or whatever like that but i think it's an example of how in sports sometimes it's like listen it's sports right like if you need to shake up let's shake it up and then change and see how we can go forward it it gives the crew a huge new chance to have a a great new facility yeah absolutely i think there's a couple of franchises who are in need of little shake up and yeah changing things a little bit um you know you look at what dc united did moving into their new stadium they've been they've been been waiting for that stadium ever since they came into major league soccer and you know they're a league original for those that don't know came in in 96 this was long overdue and i think it's really revitalized dc united in that market and as you said the signing of wayne rooney also helps as well i guess i guess (laughs) All right, well, uh, thanks for joining us for the 40th Sound of the Loons podcast. Be sure to leave us a nice review on iTunes, or at the very least, a five-star rating, and follow the team on Twitter at MNUFC. You can follow Cal at CalWilliamsCom. You can follow me at Steve Entress. And remember, there's only one person in this whole world like you, and people can like you exactly as you are. <laughs>